And we're back. Another episode of Talking Maiden. The podcast of the beast. How you doing, Nesbitt? I'm doing good. Ready for a, a serious, serious session? Yeah, this is going to be a, uh, a, I don't know, not a, it's, I was going to say it was, it's going to be a controversial episode, but it's not really, because this is our most requested album. We've got more emails from people over this album yeah. than any other album. And everyone we ran into when we were in the UK wanted us to do this album. The yeah. X Factor. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, and it's been a long time coming. And uh, this is a special episode for a lot of reasons. And it's going to be, yeah. well, it's going to be multiple episodes. Oh, we have a really, really yeah. special beer that we're yeah. going to be drinking. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's one of the key. This, I think this is the most important beer yet. It we'll is. Yeah. Get to that in a second. The um, X Factor has been something we've kind of been waiting to get to. I needed a lot of time to listen to it because it's not one of the ones that I regularly listen to yeah. as much. I mean, I had to put effort into listening to this, to be honest with you. Yeah. So if you're a Blaze hater, yeah. don't don't turn this podcast off because uh, <laughs> yeah. there's going to be some criticisms. There so. will be there will be good and yeah. bad, yeah. Um, you know. And it's been a journey for me uh, getting up to speed on this album. Over at, well, really, I started listening probably, but you know, since we started the podcast yeah. with the Blaze discussions, I've been listening. But I've really been intensely listening in the lead up to this, and uh, my perspective has changed. Yeah. Oh, uh, totally. Yeah. I'm no. I was listening to. We have a last episode. We have a few times when me and you uh, had a few beers in us and just recorded stuff. And uh, yeah. there's one where me and you got in a big fight about Blaze Bailey. Remember that one? Really? You were yeah. saying how... Uh, Is this a podcast re- It was released? never released. Never released. I could oh. put some clips together for the next episode <laughs> oh, if you want. God. No, we won't. We'll- a compilation of you saying how much Blaze isn't a member of Iron Maiden. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, God. And yeah. how the Iron Maiden albums, those ones don't count. Yeah. But you've kind of done like a... Not quite a 180. No, but I haven't a, done a 180. I think I'm just softened a, You're that past stance. 90. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I'm going to give my perspective on that yeah. uh, definitive after the, at the end of this two or three parter that we end up recording over the next while. Yeah. And I'll give you my definitive thing, but I will, uh, I, I'll, I'll step back that they're not part of Maiden, but I'm also, you know, I'm not going to go full bore that Blaze Bailey is, is Bruce Dickinson too. Uh, yeah. Well, he's not yeah. Supposed well to be, we'll see. We'll, we'll talk about we'll all of that. But this is also important milestone episode for us beer wise. It is. Okay. Yeah. So I'll tell you a story about this beer. So back in, I think it was February, we had an email from a, a listener, one of our first uh, friends of the podcast, James Frazier. That's old school. From New Zealand. February. I mean, we launched in January. Yeah. So right from the beginning, he was a big fan. Yeah. And uh, he emailed us. He's the one that gave us the idea to do that segment where we talk about our favorite and our least favorite uh, Maiden lyrics. Oh, yeah. Which we did. I think yeah. we did one last episode. Yeah. We've done three or four or five now. Actually, yeah. we got to start recording those, maybe putting them on the website because I don't know. Which I ones. can never remember which songs yeah. we did. But uh, yeah. so that was a great idea. So because it was such a great idea, we sent him a t-shirt. Okay. And uh, he got it. He sent, emailed me from New Zealand, and he was like, thanks for the T-shirt. And he's like, I'm going to send you a couple of beers. Oh, and I was like, yeah. man, if you send beers from New Zealand to Canada, they're never going to get here. Yeah. And so he put them. He wrapped them both up separately, one in two, in two separate yeah. uh, packages, and sent them separately. Yeah. Uh, he sent them May 15th, he sent them. And then halfway through July, I emailed him and I was like, man, we're never going to see those beers. It's been like months. These are never going to show up. Like some Canadian Border Patrol guy had those in his beer fridge. Yeah. <laughs> or uh, I don't know whatever happened to them. And then what do you know? Uh, first week of August, one of them shows up. I get a package in the mail and I open it up and it has 
this Panhead Custom Ales. That's the brewery, and it's called the Vandal. The, the Vandal. New Zealand IPA. Yeah, New Zealand Pale Ale, eight uh, percent, five hundred ml bottle. This is oh my god! Not only that, we're really nev- cool we're never label. gonna get to drink this beer again. This is the no, coolest this is a thing once in a lifetime. It. I know. I know. And there's uh, unless James wants to mail us a sixer <laughs> for next Christmas. But uh, the label's really cool. I'm gonna have a link for this on the beer page. Yeah, we should link James in there too. Yeah, it's yeah. uh it's a really cool beer. I can't wait to try it. The yeah. uh, the other one never showed up. I don't. I I've kind of lost hope on that one. I wouldn't count. Although it I lost. Out. Yeah, it's been yeah. June. You know, a friend it's been of mine. Four over four months. I don't know. A friend of mine went down south for one of those grad trips after university. It's a true story. Um, went down, decided he'd mail himself some weed to the U.S., which is insane. When we found out, we were like, what are you doing? I mean, this is 20 years ago, back when, you know, weed was a crime. Yeah. And uh, he got down there, and his weed never showed him. He was like, oh, my weed never got here. And we were like, you lucky bugger, like, looking over our shoulders. And when he left, he left a forwarding address at the hotel in the U.S. And we were like, three months later, this weed shows back up at his house in Canada. <laughs> so he, like, mailed it down the border and back. So my point is, is that beer could arrive. Okay. Yeah. All right. Anyway, so... Uh, Wow, I can't wait to get to this. So I've never wanted to play this clip more. Do not spend your time worrying about those wasted beers. All right. Some great art on this, too. Yeah, the label's really cool. Yeah, so let me do a little read here while you're pouring these up, Nesbitt. You can tell this is serious because Nesbitt's pouring it for the first time on the podcast. That's true. We also have clean, nice pint glasses. Normally yeah. we drink out of our metal Iron Maiden uh, mugs. pewter mugs. But... Yeah. So here's a little description. Not only did the Americans invent hot rotting, they invented hop rotting too. In the late 1960s, a Tarangan, whatever that is, teenager called John Reed threw a kiwi hat in the ring with the famed vandal, a dazzling green flake 1919 Dodge Bucket. In his spirit, we're rising to the other challenge with a beer named in his in its honor, a big bitter APA, groaning with whole uh, cone Nelson salad. Now that's just the kind of hops. Yeah, all we this stuff, these different that. types of hops. Like any good hot rod, it's built to attract as much attention as possible. Yeah, the label has that hot rod on the front. It's really cool. The smell's amazing. Holy God, this is deadly. Oh, wow. That is amazing. Well, that's really good. That's fucking brilliant. <laughs> I want to find out more about this Panhead Brewery. That is awesome. Well, it came from the other side of the planet. Yeah. And it took uh, th- three months. And it was worth it. Cheers. This is awesome. This is world class. I noticed that you poured and you, you seem to have a little bit of a more volume there. No, I didn't. I poured them even, <laughs> evenly. Sure, even sure. Stevens. Man, that's amazing. Yeah, so James is, uh, what, fan of the year? There's got to be some award we can event for. <laughs> hey, anyone mails us beer from New Zealand? Hall of Fame. First inductee into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> yeah. Listener Hall of Fame. Listener Hall of Fame. <laughs> that's probably the, one of the best beers we've had on the podcast. So, it's seriously, really good. Yeah. I know we've said that a few times, amazing. but... Yeah. Uh, 8% it doesn't taste it. It's got... And you know that's exactly the type of hops I like. Yeah, this is so. exactly. I wonder if that's why I sent it, because I, yeah. I know there's a few times when you're talking about the kind of beers you like. I could crush a bunch of those. I know. At so 8%, good. though. I'm, I'm trying to not drink it so fast. But. I know. I'm, I'm doing the best I can here. Mm. That's brilliant. Oh, man. James, you're a legend. That is world class. We were going to talk about X Factor or something. Yeah. Let's talk about this beer. <laughs> Who cares? Oh, man. So the X Factor. Yeah, X Factor. We so, get into it. Yeah, we were in the UK. Everyone was asking us when are you yeah. going to do the X Factor. When are you going to do the X Factor? So yeah. I didn't realize we were holding off on doing the X Factor because I kind of was like, let's do a bunch of really popular albums and then we'll sneak the X Factor in and then get right back into the popular ones. But apparently, yeah. this is a really popular one. Yeah. I don't know if it's popular 
as far as people love it or yeah. people just want to hear our take on it because it's kind of a controversial one. Yeah, for, like, remember, same with Dance of Death. Like, we did that, and that was yeah. early on yeah. for us, relatively. Yeah. And that was crazy. That went crazy. People loved it. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, it's it's interesting. I guess you can only talk about Power Slave not so much, but, you know, you can be diehard Maiden, and I guarantee you, like, on the background, I read a bit of background of the album. I know yeah. the context to a point. Yeah. But, I mean, I'm sitting back here now. I'm looking at all your notes. I can't wait. The 10th album, I think that's where the X factor Huh. X is the Roman numeral. Uh, I read in a interview with Blaze, he said something about like he had like half a dozen things that the X stood for, and but they all said that the album kind of had this X factor. And I don't know if it was the Blaze new singer or like yeah, that's how I would have interpreted. it. Yeah, so there's no title track, which up to now is kind of unusual. Yeah, because they all that Peace of Mind doesn't have a title track either, but no. they do say Peace of Mind in Still Life. This is the first album where they recorded more songs than they needed. So they recorded yeah. 14, and, and they, they picked 11. 11. Yeah. yeah. For, but they used, yeah. The they used those for B-sides, yeah. B-sides, that's right. So they recorded it at Burnyard Studios, which is a studio that Steve has in his house in Essex. Remember we talked about his house on an episode, a few episodes ago? Yeah, the the house with the, uh, he's got the Swimming football pitch in the back and the, end pitch. And, and the old-fashioned bar. The bar in Steve Harris's house is called the the Horse and Cart. So it's like a, uh-huh. like the carton horses were yeah. yeah, yeah, that's interesting. I thought that was funny. Neat. So that's where they recorded it. They recorded it over a year, which is a long time for Maiden because they normally like, you know, they whip the albums up pretty quick. Uh, and it was produced by Nigel Green and Steve Harris. So that yeah. was the first time for them because Martin Birch did every album since Killers up to here. Nigel Green stepped in, and Steve Harris I think did a lot of the production too. Cool. So Nigel Green did all the did the Blaze era Maiden. He did some Def Leppard and he did some DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. <laughs> yeah. So he's a you know he's not an unknown producer, but I don't think he was like a huge name. I don't know where he came from or how he got involved. I think he probably could have used a better producer. Yeah. The drums on this album are they're okay sounding, and I don't know if I'm just used to them. They sound a little. Something sounds a little off. Yeah. And I find the guitars are kind of buried in the mix sometimes. Yeah. Which I sometimes, I, it's like you're straining to hear the guitar solo. It doesn't yeah. like pop like the way it is in some albums. Okay. But that's maybe I'm, it, the producer's not as familiar. But for me, I, I immediately, I noticed that right away. But I told it was Adrian's gone. They're just trying to find Yeah. No, the production on this is yeah. different. It's Martin Birch is gone and they yeah. kind of have a different sound. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah, and it's a very dark album. Like, the songs are dark, the lyrics are very bleak and dark, and, uh, I don't know, it's like Maiden, they kind of got into more of, like, an atmosphere and, like, long song structures, instead of, like, catchy riffs and hooks. Mm. Like, there are riffs and hooks on here, but, like, it's not, like, a previous album. I think, like, you lose something listening to this album in, like, a shuffle or in a playlist. Like, I think it's almost meant to be listened to in order, because it's kind of, like, I wouldn't say it's a concept album, but it feels like a concept album because it's so dark. Mm. You know what I mean? It's like you don't want to jump into this album and then out into something from Killers and then back into this album and then back out into like Run to the Hills. Yeah, but I don't know. Well, we'll we'll get into into the tracks. I don't get a huge value from the order, but we'll talk about it when we break through it. But I just think it's its own thing. And when you try to like pluck a few songs from the middle of this album and throw them into a Maiden playlist, they don't flow really because they're so dark. Like I read an interview with Blaze. Bailey and he said that uh, Maiden were trying to and his quote was explore the darker side of the human spirit so that's like where their heads were right they were like mm. 
you know, when you think of Maiden, you think of a lot of, like, triumphant choruses, and this album yeah. is not that. There's a few spots like that on there, but... This is, like, the first sign of, like, the prog rock-style Maiden that would show up later, like, in Brave New World, and Matter of Life and Death, Dance of Death, Book of Souls, Final Frontier. Mm. And I think, like, with long songs with, like, multiple parts. Like, think about, like, Nomad or Thin Light... Line Between Love and Hate, Blood Brothers, Greater Good of God, Legacy, Dance of Death, Passchendaele. Yeah. They're like, th- like those are very normal for Maiden now. Yeah. But when this album came out, it was mostly those types of songs. And I think it was really new. And that new kind of song structure, that's like kind of a new thing for Maiden at this time. Mm-hmm. And listening back now, it doesn't sound so strange because you're so used to that. But this is the first album where they really got into that. Yeah, I never put that perspective on before, but that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I think like people that are really into like the Beast, Peace of Mind, Power Slave era are kind of put off by that. So you got a new singer. You've got a lot of slow, plodding, like epic songs. It's like a lot for fans to take in at once. Yeah. It's like a darker sounding maiden and a darker sounding singer. And like that triumphant Bruce vocal style and feelings kind of gone. Yeah. I think at the time it was really hard for maiden fans to like dig into. You know what I mean? I could get get that, definitely. But then you hear the last five Maiden albums, and you go back and listen to this, and the song structures sound like Maiden. Yeah. But at the time, that was like, it didn't sound like Maiden at all, I don't think. Yeah, that's a I mean, they kind of dabbled in that before, but... Yeah, you know. no, that, that, that's a fair analysis. And this, this, this album, I think, you know, in some ways, I think it's in some ways plagued by that. Yeah, and uh, like some you... Some of were... the songs, yeah, that I find that I don't like kind yeah. of kill the momentum of the album for me. And you were mentioning, too, yeah. about how Adrian isn't in the yeah. band at this point so there's no one to put throw in like a deja vu or wasted years yeah. or two minutes to midnight or flight of icarus or uh, hooks in yeah. you or you yeah. know what i mean none of that kind of radio friendly yeah that's kind of what adrian contributed and with him gone you have steve and blaze and they're both like kind of in dark places and they they go really heavy into like the metal and prog and mm. you kind of lose some of that because adrian made had a huge influence right when he huge. was there so yeah, it's just really dark, and I think if that could be like off-putting. So like Steve Harris, when this album came out, super dark place. Bruce had just left. Bruce Dickinson, mm-hmm. who's like the face of Maiden, to a yeah, lot of so, people. So give me the background on that, like as much as you know, because it's funny that he left. You know, what did 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 Steve shoehorn him at all? So he kind of decided to leave mid-tour during a real live tour. Yeah, and he finished off the tour. But it was a really awkward situation, right? He basically told the band he was going to leave, and then the fans are there watching Bruce singing for a band that they already know that he's going to leave, right? No, he told them. They, they yeah, knew. everyone knew. Like, and so people were going to see him. And he, apparently, some of the big venues, when he was playing in front of big crowds or there was like media there, he really mm-hmm. like was the old Bruce. But there's a lot of like smaller venues when he kind of like half-assed it. Mm-hmm. He was kind of just going through the motions. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it was just an awkward situation yeah and so bruce, anyway bruce finally it's left like a divorce and you're still living in the same house yeah exactly yeah. so bruce kind of like left actually the la- they did the raving hell video and at the end they actually put bruce in an iron maiden and they like close it eddie puts him in there and closes it and they chop his head off and <laughs> no way yeah so that was the last i think that was the last thing that bruce did with the band before he left and went solo so the you know steve harris is like my lead singer's gone yeah. uh he's going through a divorce um, his wife, Lorraine, he was married for 16 years and had four kids. They were going through a divorce. 
he's is, in, is there any background his, in that? I, you know, like not to to delve into yeah. his personal life, not that it's relevant, but it's just worth. There's so much darkness in here. Like, did she leave him or something? Like, I don't know the background behind it. Yeah. I just know they're going through a divorce, and it wasn't. You know, it wasn't yeah. a happy time for him. And Martin Birch, I mentioned, was gone. Yeah. So it's like Martin Birch is gone. He retired. So he's yeah. gone. Bruce is gone. He went through a divorce. I read a bunch of places, too, that, like, his father died previous to this album. Uh, I couldn't re- find anything. I read a whole bunch of Steve Harris interviews, and he's never mentioned it. But I've read it in a couple of books I have at home. Did you mention it? So I don't mm. know if that factored in. But anyway, he was just, like, basically made in... Everything seems like... like it, you, know, you can imagine if you're in a rock band... Your singer's gone. You're going through a divorce. Everything's just like, you know, your life is just falling apart, basically. Yeah. And you're just in this dark, dark place. So I got a quote here from Steve Harris. I'm going to have a sip of this delicious beer before I Oh, man. <laughs> I'm down to, like, the bottom here now already. I mean, you're... you're t- I'm just... I'm drinking yours. Oh, my God. The beer is so good. It's amazing. It's really good. Ugh. Send us... Send us three more. <laughs> send more beer to us. Send more beer. So he said, uh, this is a quote, I was, going, I was still going through the divorce thing, and so I was down mentally. The others are going to look to me for strength to carry on, and I just ain't got it at the moment. Yeah. And I read the story, too. They were having this uh, rehearsal with no Bruce. It was just the rest of the band, and they were all just in this really down place. And Dave Murray just, like, pipes up when he's like, uh, this is another quote from Harris. He said, everyone was really down. And Dave Murray basically just said, bollocks to him. Let's get someone else. And then the <laughs> mood just instantly changed. And everyone just had this like, oh, okay. And was, so <laughs> leave it to Dave Murray, right? Dave Murray. He's probably smiling the whole time. <laughs> yeah, I can just like, picture him now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like, yeah, everyone's like, you can't replace Bruce Dickinson. So I don't think they even tried to replace Bruce Dickinson. They just no. went in a totally different direction, right? Yeah, they're like, we've been we've been with a good singer for so long. <laughs> Maybe. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, there's definitely a, a contrast. It, it is funny that, that yeah, we'll, well, we'll get into how, how Blaze came about. But, I mean, yeah. it is kind of interesting. It's In some ways, it's, it's a bit of full circle back to Paul in a way. I do relate Blaze and Paul in a lot of ways. Uh, maybe it's just because the contrast with Bruce. There's, there's yeah. huge differences. Yeah. I, mean, I mean, the time frame is different. The back, the whole yeah. band is different. But that's interesting that, uh, you know, they had to depart. If you if you got Bruce Light. Like, who was that? Uh, was it Judas Priest? That movie the rock star was about with... Uh, yeah, Tim Owens. Yeah. Well, that's based on a true story. Because yeah. Judas Priest, when Rob Halford left, they got Tim Owens, who was yeah. in a band who did... I don't know if it was like a full-on Judas Priest tribute band, but they yeah. did a lot of... Uh, Judas Priest songs yeah and someone recorded and sent a VHS tape to the band and they called him and they got him to so he was singing in a cover band covering Judas Priest songs and then all of a sudden he auditioned and he got halfway through I can't remember which song it was uh, something off Sad Wings of Destiny I can't remember and they are like basically gave him the job so you can imagine how crazy that would be <laughs> oh my God, yeah. that's like a dream come true and he did two albums with him right yeah uh, yeah yeah, but they went. My point I was making is they went for a copy so that they could complete the same sound. Right, in this case. and there was some. Well, I'll tell you about. Okay, so Maiden mm-hmm. kind of had a bit of, you know, they entertained getting someone that was very Bruce like. They like. Well, I'll go. I'll tell you basically how Bruce, how Blaze got in the band. Yeah. So okay, so then Blaze. Okay, so his name is Bailey Alexander Cook, and he got the nickname Blaze like when he was, I think, when he was in high school. What was he doing? I mean. And he was in bands, right? 
How could someone in a rock band get the name Blaze? What could possibly be going on? But everyone's like, where did Blaze come from? So Blaze didn't come out of nowhere. Like, he was in this band Wolfsbane, which is really, there was a huge buzz. They were like a pretty big band. Yeah. Like, everyone's kind of like, oh, they got this guy Blaze from nowhere, and he just showed up and filled in. And I'm like, Blaze was in Wolfsbane. Wolfsbane were a pretty big band. Mm. Uh, they're, they formed in 1984, so they've been going on the go for a long time. Mm. Uh, they got signed by Def Jam, which is like Rick Rubin's label. You've probably heard of Def Jam before. Yep, yeah. They did Beastie Boys. He did like Beastie Boys License to Ill, The Cult. He did the first four Danzig albums. You know, I love Danzig. Uh, Black Crows, ACDC, Audio Slave, Red Hot Chili Peppers. He did Slayer Seasons in the Abyss. So he was, you know, pretty established uh, producer. And so he basically signed Wolfsbane. Wolfsbane were a pretty good band. I've played them on the podcast before, and I really like Wolfsbane. So I played that clip from the Wolfsbane song. Yeah, you've played that before. I did. I played it like, yeah. I can't remember what episode it was. A long time ago. One of the early episodes. I really like Wolfsbane. I've got, uh, here's my Wolfsbane. I have a whole bunch of Wolfsbane vinyl albums here. Yeah. Uh, a huge stack. And I've just brought them to show you uh, what the young Blaze looks like. What? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. It's funny because I know him now. Yeah. You know? It's crazy. Like Blaze is the same vintage too. Well, they were on the go for a long time, right before, uh, yeah, before all this meeting stuff happened. And in a, uh, probably in a later part of this X Factor, we're going to bring in Fergal. We'll talk. We'll tee up Fergal later. But uh, he met uh, Blaze recently. We talked about that the other day. Uh, but he uh, showed a picture of Blaze. Blaze looking good. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And sounding good too. Sounding good. Yeah. Cool. So big Blaze fan. I'm a pretty big Wolfsbane fan. They were really well-known at the time, so Blaze didn't come out of nowhere. And there's tons of media hype about them being, like, the next thing. Because it's the first British band that Def Jam ever signed. Wolfman actually opened for Maiden on the No Prayer on the Road tour. Wow. So he wasn't, like, a stranger to Maiden either, right? So during that tour, October 18th, 1990, Blaze uh, got on stage, and Bruce and him sang daughter, Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter on the stage during the encore. <sighs> So that was actually the first time that he actually sang with Maiden. Wow. Yeah. Trivia. So that was five years earlier. Yeah. Deep dive. So here's a quote from Blaze. He says, That night when Maiden played Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter, Bruce gave me the mic and let me sing while he jumped around. So. Wow. Yeah. So five years beforehand. So no, no clip of this? I do have a clip of it. You want to hear it? Oh, God. You got a clip of this? <laughs> I do. You seriously? <laughs> yeah. Um, you can hardly hear Blaze in it at all. Well. There's a funny part where they, Bruce and Blaze, do this uh, banter back and forth with the audience. And, like, Bruce is asking if you can tell the difference between the two of them when they stand side by side. Because they really did look similar. I showed you those album covers, the Wolfsbane album covers. Um, it's funny, Blaze is like, he's like, I'm the better looking one. And they're just kind of joking back and forth. 
This clip's a little bit long and the sound quality isn't the best. It's like a full minute long. I'll play it anyway just because it's kind of a rarity. So a little fuzz this is Mr. Blaze Bailey of the Van Wolves Bailey. I'll say this in case there may be any customs or immigration officers in the, uh, in the audience who might be planning to give me a hard time when I'm trying to leave the country. This is what he looks like. This is what I look like. Few pounds heavier perhaps, but that's something else. Yeah. Yeah, well. We just want to thank Wolfsbane for being on the tour. <laughs> <laughs> They've been a good bunch of lads. They've got terrible taste in beer, but they've been a good bunch of lads. And they can't play football, alright? So that just sounds like a lot of talking, but it's that, you know, that breakdown part in, uh, what really breaks down just the drums yeah. in, uh, bring your daughter to the slaughter. Yeah. So they're doing like this banter thing back and forth. And yeah, the, co- the cool piece too, out of that. And we, we, we touched on it later, the follow up after the fact, on uh, the more recent, uh, feedback, I think it was a blaze interview. We talked about it in a previous episode. Those two have always had a mutual respect. Yeah. And even there, Bruce yeah. brings them up on stage. I haven't seen Bruce do that with many people. Yep. And, uh, you know, and then, of course, Bruce is leaving. He comes in and, you know. So that was actually the first time that Blaze sang Maiden, although he's more talking there. But he does sing kind of at the end. I think he sings the Bring Your Daughter to the Slaughter part. Um, you can't really hear him on that bootleg. But technically, that's the first time. Yeah. <laughs> Five years before X Factor. So Wolf Spain around the go since 84. They didn't get... They didn't break through in America. They got dropped from their label. Uh, and then after, you know, 10 years at trying with Wolfsbane, he got the opportunity to audition with Maiden, and he initially turned it down. He wanted to focus on Wolfsbane, basically. When, so, was, when was that, sorry? This is after Bruce left when they were looking yeah. for a new singer. He yeah. turned him down. Yeah. What, what, what year are we at, though? Like 94. 94, okay. Yeah. So... so wow. And then he got back with Wolfbane. They kind of started jamming. He realized they were kind of heading not where he wanted to go musically. Yeah. And he kind of called up Steve and he's like, are you still looking for a new singer? Can I still try out? Oh. So <laughs> That's one of those classic <laughs> ones that are like this super, super hot chick. So it's like, hey, yeah, yeah. I got a girlfriend. You go home and you're like, you're like hey, yeah, honey, how's it going? Oh, I'm kind of bored. We're not in sync anymore. <laughs> you know, it's like the whole time in the back of your head, Iron Maiden is there. Like, oh, maybe I can be... That's going to mess with you. Oh, yeah. I don't care what he says about the different direction. I mean, he was, as soon as you get that offer, oh, yeah. you, you're just trying to find a reason. One of the biggest metal bands ever looking for a singer, right? Nate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's opening for them. It's by natural, you know, five yeah. years early. It's a natural step up. This is where it comes into the auditions. Dave Murray said that they got boxes and boxes. This is a quote from him boxes and boxes of tapes. And they said they listened to hundreds of tapes of audition, people auditioning. Steve Harris said in an interview that he wanted someone British, so that cuts out a lot of people. Rod Smallwood said, It wasn't a difficult choice to make when it came down to it, but there was a lot of people to look at. The band finally all sat down at the end of August and listened to hundreds of tapes, and from there we got down to 16 who auditioned at Steve's. So they narrowed down to 16 people. Wow. So I have a, I read in another interview with Blaze about these auditions, and Blaze said, it's 10 of the songs that were mainly featured on the set list back then. Number of the Beast, 
Trooper, Hallowed Be Thy Name, Fear of the Dark, Afraid to Shoot Strangers, The Clairvoyant, Iron Maiden, Wrathchild, and that's all I remember right now. We worked on those together and that was it. Thought that this is the experience of a lifetime, but I thought that my voice was so different and I wouldn't be able to make it because I'm not like Bruce Dickinson. So he went in, he just had a good time. I would have been like evil the men do. Yes. Yeah. Crank it. <laughs> so then from 16, they narrowed it down to two. Some places that you read, it says they narrowed it down to three. I don't know what yeah. to believe. but So there might have been a third person, but I couldn't find anything in any of my books or online of who the third person was. A lot of people say that Michael Kiske from Halloween yeah. was one of, the, one of the three, but he came out in an interview very recently and said that he wasn't. He just said something nice about Maiden in the press, and they kind of ran with it. Yeah. But, so the guy from Halloween was not one of these 16, yeah. or one of the two or the three. One of the, I read an interview with Steve... Grimmett from he was from a band called Grim Reaper so he was in one of the top he was in the top five he said I read an interview with him he said he was in one of the top five that they narrowed it down to um, I have a clip of him singing just it's him doing actually a cover of Aces High so you can see what his voice would have been like he was one of the potential top five wow, to be the new this singer is cool What do you think of him? Wow, I think he would have been awesome. I think that's amazing. Well, yeah. first off, he's got he's got a great vocal carry like Bruce. Yep, but he's got that dark edge. Yep. But he's also really late nineties. Yeah, like he really is. Well, mid nineties. Yeah. Well, ninety five. Yeah. Yeah. I know. To me, it's late nineties. <laughs> Whatever. Um, he's got the. Uh, yeah, that wow, that would have been really cool. It would have been interesting to hear him sing. Like a, to do an album with me. So who is he? Uh, Steve Grimmett. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it the right or no, Grimmett. Yeah, who's he with? A band called Grim Reaper, and then he was in a few bands after. I I had never heard of him until I started researching about online. Yeah, that's Stanley. Yeah, I really like his sound. Yeah, it's pretty cool. That's and then awesome. the last two that it came down to was Blaze and Dougie White. So Dougie White in the '90s, he was in Praying Mantis, which you remember back. When we did the, we were talking about the Metal for Mothers compilation. Yeah. Uh, of eight episodes and episodes ago. So Praying Mantis was on that. They're one of those original bands. Mm. But much later, like in the 90s, uh, Dougie White was the singer for them. So he was in, he did an album with Richie Blackmore's Rainbow. Yeah. Basically, Richie Blackmore was in Deep Purple. He left Deep Purple, formed Rainbow with Ronnie James Dio. They broke up in 1984. But then they reformed as Richie Blackmore's Rainbow in 1995. And instead of Ronnie James Dio, they got Dougie White as a singer. This is a clip from that uh, Rainbow album. And he also has a really cool voice, but I think, I think would have worked really well with Maiden.
with too. He's got an awesome voice. Yeah. Um, I like the other guy better, but I got to say that guy, I got totally distracted the whole time thinking I know like he sounds so close. I'm trying to put my finger on it. I don't know who he reminds me of, but he's not Maiden-esque to me. Yeah, he's had almost like a hair metal edge to his voice. Yeah, I've, sort heard, of. I've heard something very similar. Oh man, we got to come clean with our listeners. I got I to gotta tell them about this. Mid-clip, I went and grabbed the, I got a, these organic beers. I went and grabbed one because I'm savoring. I got, I got the last quarter of my beer saved and I don't yeah. want to drink it, but I'm dying to drink. So I just finished the, my last sip of I've this Panhead Vandal and I have like a single tear running down my cheek <laughs> because I'll never taste it again. It was so good. I've had to like put it all the way over there so that I can't can't drink it. Oh, man. It's too good. Yeah, it's too good. Anyone else wants to mail us a beer? Man, come <laughs> yes. on, do this. Let's do this for sure. So this is okay. So an interview with the Blaze did in the Cornwall Seeker, which is a Cornwall, Ontario, Canada newspaper. He said, "I don't think I was the best person at all. I think a lot of people were better singers than me." It's a complete mystery to me why they chose me. My voice is so different to Bruce Dickinson. I did love the band, and I was a huge fan of the band before the audition. I think they kind of wanted to do something different. I think they were kind of like these high-pitched singers is the old Bruce. We're going in a new direction. Yeah. And I think it's kind of like, you know what? Screw you, Bruce Dickinson. You know, there's, there yeah. was some bad blood there. Well, why is he being so hard on himself, too? Like, I mean, there's there's a lot of it Blaze I can I can rip up. And when we get into this album, there's aspects of yeah. the album that I don't like that have nothing to do with Blaze. Yep. And there's a lot of it Blaze I love. Um, but he's a fantastic singer. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's like, you know, yeah. You know, when you're an Olympic level, some, you know, there's Hussein Bolt and there's other people and there's people that are, yeah. they're all awesome. You know what I mean? You're at the Olympics. He's, he's in the game. I mean. Yeah. Well, he has a great voice. Yeah. It's just, you can't help but compare him to Bruce Dickinson. Yeah. And you can't really compare anyone to Bruce Dickinson. <laughs> yeah, but no one does that with Paul. I know it's, it's chronological, but I mean. Yeah, yeah, but that happens all the time. Like, think about Van Halen when Sammy Hagar yeah. came in. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, I like Van Halen. I hate Van Hagar, not Van Hagar. You know what I mean? And yeah. it's like, Sammy Hagar has an awesome voice. He has a yeah. really, really amazing voice. Yeah. He's just not Diamond Dave. Yeah. And if you want to listen to Van Halen, it's like a lot of people say when they want to listen to Maiden, they want to hear Bruce. When you hear Van Halen, you want to hear David Lee Roth. Mm. But that doesn't mean that 5150 is not a good album. I love that album. Like, I had that when I was in grade six, I think, and I loved that album. I listened to it to death, and I still love it. But if you, if I have a go-to, it's not my go-to for Van Halen. I get in the mood for that album. In the same way mm. with this album, I get in the mood for the X Factor. But it's not like I'm like, man, I really want to hear some Maiden, and I go through the X Factor. It's, it, yeah. I don't know, it's, it's weird. Like, people don't, it's rough when the lead singer gets replaced, because they're the face of the band. And when your lead singer is so charismatic, like David Lee Roth. Yeah. Or Bruce Dickinson, or you know Ozzy when he left Sabbath, you know yeah. what I mean. Bon Scott, although that kind of worked when Brian Johnson came in with Back in Black. Yeah, but it's it's a huge change, right? Yeah, it's also I think more. Okay, I when 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 you love a band, you're not rational. Yeah. Like guys love bands, ladies love bands. Like they don't. It's it's not necessarily rational. It's like you know we'll talk to uh, Furville later on. He's going to break down his kind of history on it. And, you know I came to Blaze later. We started off. I've all done it. Uh, I've got local bands that have changed. Like I'm Mother Earth saw them. Yep. Lead singer uh, left the band back when I was in high school, and it was one of my favorite bands at the time. And yep. they reunited, and I just saw them. 
And a, a bunch of people I respect with music are like, you realize that the singer replaced him was objectively better. Yeah. And ironically, well, it's like yeah. Black Sabbath when Ozzy left, Ronnie yeah. James Dio came in. There you go. Dio's 10 times better singer than Ozzy. There you go. But he doesn't get, he gets a tenth of the respect that exactly. Ozzy does. It's weird. Uh, yeah. So it's not rational. Yeah. No, there isn't. Yeah. 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 Whereas Bon Scott, Brian Johnson, I think it's a toss up. Mm. And then even like Lane Staley, there's like two. Three, because uh, there's a new Alice in Chains album out now. Yeah. So there's three Alice in Chains albums out with William Duvall as the new s- singer. Hmm. And they're really good. The Black Gives Way to Blue. Yeah. Have you ever heard that album? No. Uh, that is a really great album. Yeah. So he really kind of, I think he's doing a great job. He's not really replacing Lane Staley. He's, he sounds like Lane Staley. He doesn't have that same feel. But Jerry Cantrell is kind of like the songwriter and the, the main fourth behind that band anyway so the, yeah. but he can do the harmonies with or with jerry cantrell yeah he can do the same harmonies with jerry cantrell you know the weird allison chains harmonies yeah so it kind of still feels like allison chains so i think that's a kind of a successful replacement but i guarantee i haven't ever looked into it but i bet if you go online there's a lot of people that are like that's not allison chains because lane staley you know what i mean yeah i listened to a lot of allison chains in high school i don't know yeah. where but a friend well, of mine Dirt had all the like one of my favorite albums yeah, yeah. Friend of mine had all the CDs, and I, I, I you know, I, I, I bought a few of them. I can't remember. Yeah. I had like a purple one or something. That's listen to Jar of Flies the next yeah. time that you're feeling down. Yeah, <laughs> no, best. I know that tune. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, know yeah. that album. That it's album. like yeah, Jar of Flies. Is that the, the, there was one? It's got was, no excuses in nutshell. There was a couple. They did a couple of really cool releases. There was a purple album. I remember. There's that. one that has like because that's the one I had. The one that has a dog with three legs yeah. on the cover? I don't know. Back then I had so many CDs. Are you talking about Stone Temple Pilots? They had an album no, called... No, no, no. I've, I've got all the Stone Temple Pilots loaded in my truck right now. All yeah. four of the albums. Yeah. Well, there's there's more than four, but the four core ones. Yeah. And I think there was like two early ones. But you, you know what I mean? Oh, God. Yeah. Another example is Blind Melon. After Shannon Hoon died, yeah. they got back together and did an album with this guy, Travis Warren. Yeah. And uh, it's not as good. But there's a couple of really good songs. There's a song on there called Make a Difference. I think I it's know. called. And it's awesome. Blind Melon I never yeah. liked. Oh, really? Oh, I love Blind Melon. Yeah. Yeah. I think they did that song with like that had you know, no, the No Rain, Rain song. Yeah. If they had never released that, they, I think yeah. everyone kind of wrote them off as like this joke thing because of the video. Yeah. But they have so many good albums, or so many good songs, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. If you're into that kind of thing. Yeah. Anyway. If you're into that type of music. <laughs> We're, wait, how do we get onto this? We were talking about replacing lead singers. Yeah. So yeah, it's always a rough thing for fans to take when you replace the face of the band yes and i I do want to make one point before we move on i know we've been off on this tangent for a bit you also got to remember now power slave to now was a decade you know and you've you had when we did the album like we talked about a lot of people view that as the peak of maiden and then there's you know somewhere in time a couple years later and you're 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 starting to arc you're on this in some ways and then you know well we're main Huge fans. We love the new wave. We love everything about it. Yeah. But there was a decline there, and then you hit this point now where you get a new, uh, a new singer. It's easy to blame, too, right? Right. Like so. Imagine now, you know, The Walking Dead season ten. They bring in a, a new guy to replace Rick Grimes, and this, uh, you know, they've been sliding for four seasons. All of a sudden, they go crap. Oh, right. it's because they replaced Rick. Because like, I no, think that's easy to take a recency bias. The X Factor is yeah. the best of the 90s albums, which is No Prayer, Fear of yeah. the Dark, Virtual Eleven, and this. and this. Yeah. Like, I would take this. I would take Blaze Bailey singing on the X Factor over Bruce's raspy singing from Fear of the Dark and yeah. No Prayer. You know what? We got to do this. Any day. No Prayer, there's a lot about it I really like. 
I gotta be honest. Yeah, there's a lot I really yeah. like, but and we talked about the iron when we did uh, Tattooed Millionaire. Yeah, there's a remember I was really complaining about Bruce using that voice that he uses, that raspy yeah. thing. Yeah. He's trying to sound heavy or something, and it's like Bruce, you can't sound heavy. You just sound like yourself. Be, be, right? be Bruce. Yeah, <laughs> let Bruce. We love be Bruce. You, Bruce. Yeah, I know it's a weird time for music too. Uh, the other thing you always forget about is like this was mid '90s, right? So like these huge. St- Stage shows and costumes and pyro were out. Like, everyone's like, those are those big, big dinosaurs, right? Everything was, like, grunge. It was, like, everyone wanted authenticity and, like, angst. You know what I mean? And, like, honest. They didn't want to hear people singing about, like, sword fights and stuff like that. You know what I mean? At the, yeah. It kind of... And I think... Well, this it, was, like, OJ trial time, wasn't it? Or just Well, the it? metal scene kind of changed, too. Metallica, yeah. Megadeth, Pantera were, like... It's all that thrash stuff. Yeah. And I think Iron Maiden were kind of looked at as kind of, like, dinosaurs. At this time, because '95 is kind of like, it, and you know, it wasn't a cool time to be into Maiden. That's so true. I think they kind of were trying to go a little uh, darker and just more with the times, and that's kind of part of it too. Yeah. I have a quote here from Yannick. He says, "X Factor, I felt, was a great album. It wasn't well received at the time. The grunge thing had happened, and every rock artist was canceling tours right across America. We went out and we played, and we were the most unfashionable band at the time in the world." But we still went out and did the gigs and enjoyed ourselves. We thought we had a good album. So. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was just, well, grunge had peaked by 95, right? Nirvana was done. In 94, Kurt Cobain killed himself. Killed himself. Foo Fighters were already on the go. The first Foo Fighters album was out. The only real metal I was listening to was Metallica and Pantera. Yes. That was it. And my favorite album was Master Pumpkins. Well, Smashing Pumpkins' Melancholy was 95, too. Yeah, which was... I was a Smashing Pumpkins fan, I heard, right? Yeah, that's why I mentioned it. Well, I got into them, actually. That was, like, literally my first band like, Yeah. 1995, you're almost like... And now I can't even listen to them. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Which is ridiculous. But 95 is almost like... You're almost past grunge. Grunge was, like, late 80s early 90s yeah you're already past vitology and then you're getting in just before no code with pearl jam soundgarden were past super unknown so they're you know in they right before down on the upside yeah. which i love but still that's like most of the classic albums by these bands music wasn't it oh, so yeah. awesome when yeah. allison chains had uh dirt was already out yeah. uh facelift was already out and they had that three-legged dog album the self-titled one with uh you know heaven beside you and grind yeah. and again on it so that was out in 95, but these bands were kind of on the down. Yeah. Not, well, Pearl Jam, it seemed like they were on the down, and they kind of went on for another yeah. <laughs> 30 oh, years. Or Pearl Jam. Yeah, no, they just yeah. never stopped. And, and then you had all these grunge copycat bands who were kind of starting mm-hmm. to get on the go. Collective Soul, Bush, and Live, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then you had like Corn, Limp Bizkit, 311, Linkin Park, all these kind of like new metal bands that I hate. Yeah, there was a lot of, <laughs> lot of Christian rock. In yeah, there. they took this like dark kind of grungy stuff and they just kind of used that sound and yeah. they mixed it with like rap and metal. and it's like early Nickelback. Yeah. Well, and I'm just, yeah, so it, that's kind of what was on the go at the time. Yeah. So it was a really weird time for Maiden to come out with an album. And I think, I don't know if they did it consciously. But I think maybe they're trying to sound a little darker and heavier to be with the times. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. I I know exactly what you mean. I just, I I think at that stage, you know, I was a consumer of my teens. Yeah. Um, What, how could, that would have never resonated with me. Like, I didn't know anyone who listened to Maiden. No one. Okay. No one. I didn't, I didn't even know they were a band until 
We've probably seen yeah. his shirts before, but... <laughs> no? No? There's no shirts in Grand Falls. None of them. I, was, oh, I really? grew up in a small town in the middle of Newfoundland. There's but no Maiden fans? Not a single one that wow. I know of. Okay. And I mean, I was in a really like musically yeah. connected group. My dad had a huge vinyl collection and yeah. a really nice technique stereo player and he used to love yeah. playing it. Yeah, your dad and was I, a huge uh, Sabbath yeah. fan. And I was in this group uh, with guys and we used to uh, order CDs together. Not the Columbia House. We all had that thing. But like we used to order CDs from this this um, there was this dude in town and we used to be able to get CDs you couldn't get like special edition ones. I remember like when new albums would come out you could order them through this uh, down in the U S and you get like the special CD like yeah. you always end up paying like twenty five dollars for a twenty dollars CD but you get like a, a B side or something stuff, yeah. yeah. So I have a bunch of those and so I was you know connected in that sense but no Iron Maiden were not on the scene at all for yeah. us. Black Sabbath were. Yeah, your dad gave you his yeah. vinyl collection, and he listens, by the way. Yeah, and oh, does yeah. he? <laughs> yeah, to. And you didn't have room when you were renovating your house, and you yeah. still have your dad's vinyl collection at my house. Yeah, which I'm always picking through and always playing stuff from. There's awesome. Judas Priest in there, there's Black Sabbath, there's yeah. all kinds of stuff in there. It was cool. Yeah, so your dad, I can tell by he looking, cool. I kind of got a handle on what your dad's like based on his vinyl collection. Yeah, but I, there's a I have lot of... my house right now. So we get, let's get into <laughs> so the let's, what, okay. What what album are we doing? Rambling <laughs> X Factor. Cool. Track number one on the X Factor. Oh man, and and awesome. Sign of the Cross. Awesome on the tour this summer. Oh yeah, on the Legacy of the Beast tour. Yeah, exactly. great. So, Maiden likes to open with Rocker. Yeah, they did the opposite on this album, and I think they kind of were making a statement with this, which is like, this isn't the old Maiden. This is a new Maiden. We're gonna have an eleven-minute track. Uh, you know, we're going in a new direction. They didn't do the whole like Tim Owens, Judas Priest replacement. They got a new singer, not a sound alike. He's like got his own thing on the go. And I think this is like a sign that they're like, we're going to start the album with this track. You know, get ready. This is something completely different from what you're used to. And they open with that weird uh, Gregorian chant. So you buy a new Maiden album with the new singer, you put on Maiden and you're like, let's hear this Maiden album. And you hear that? Yeah. I think they're kind of like, listen, we're going to prepare you for something completely different. You know what I mean? Yeah, I and do. And they open with an epic. Yeah. So. Just, I think Man, Man on the Edge, that should have been the opener. Yeah, I will. A lot of people say that. It starts so A lot quick. of people it's, say that. It's like. Die Hard Maiden, and but it that's transitions. The, that's, I think, what they would normally do. Yeah. But I think they were kind of, like, putting this one first because they wanted to, like, prepare people. And I think this is a stronger track, and they're like, we're going to put the epic... Yeah, but this is a stronger track, but in often cases, like, an epic like this would be a great fourth track. Like, you... I, I, well, we, we don't want to And I think if but... Bruce was still the singer, they would have mm-hmm. done that. But I think in this case, they kind of want to set the tone and, like... Come right out of the gate with something really different. Yeah. Well, Man Man on the Edge is like the one track for me that, that as soon as I hear it, I'm like, oh, man. And then it goes yeah. into Blaze. I'm like, it would have been a perfect transition. Yeah. So I know what you're saying. Yeah. Something different. I'll shake it up. But now for me, it's too early for it. Also, it front loads a lot of talent in this album. Yeah. But I think they're doing that on purpose because I think yeah. they're just kind of like, they yeah, want to throw Blaze's strongest singing right in your face at the beginning. Yeah. I have no idea what uh the song is really about because yeah, i, I read online I yeah i read online that. people are like it's about the spanish inquisition and then people are like it's about the apostle no it's about this part yeah. of the bible i don't think it's specifically about anything in particular i think it's just kind of uh 
you know, it's just kind of putting themes out there. I've read an interview with Blaze. He said, The Sign of the Cross has little to do with the movie of the same name or the book The Name of the Rose. Yeah. Yeah, but Steve Harris wrote it, not Blaze, so I don't know if Blaze really knows. But yeah. people that write, like, pages on forums about, like, how it ties into this verse of this and whatever. And yeah. I, don't, I don't buy any of it. I also read this about the soccer, about a soccer team or football team, about England's soccer team. Because they say 11 saintly shrouded men, silhouettes against the sky, one in front with a cross held high, come to wash my sins away. And like the 11 players are the 11 saintly men. And the sign of the cross, you know, St. George's cross, the English, yeah. English flag. And the name of the rose. The rose is the flower yeah, of England. That so, makes sense to me. Yeah. yeah. So I read that too somewhere. Someone on a forum said that. That's awesome. Was, like, was that, was that the, what is it, 94? Was that the the, the Gaza years? Gascoigne? Was that, yeah, was that the year? I don't know. 94. You're the you, wrong you're person. Right <laughs> okay, well, um, that that's awesome. And yeah. It, yeah, yeah, but the religious element to it was reinforced yeah. in the tour recently when they put it with oh, relations yeah. and yeah. greater good of God. Yeah. So here's another quote from Blaze. He said, Nothing is planned in Maiden. Everything is done with emotion and passions. Nobody says we're going to write a happy or dark album. With Bruce leaving, he said horrible things at the time in interviews about the band. So it was a difficult time for Steve Harris especially. I think the song Sign of the Cross is full of judgment. Because there's a lot of oh, talking wow. about that. And you can, there's like songs on the album that mention judgment and you know what I mean? Wow. So, yeah. It's a very atmospheric song, how it like builds and builds. Yeah. And you remember when we saw the Legacy of the Beast tour, this maybe has one of the best kick-ins of a Maiden song, when the standing alone in the wind and rain part comes. So it's such a build, and then when it kicks in, it's remember awesome. live, me and you were like losing our minds. So. Yeah, but also it was Bruce. And ironically, yeah. on this song, there's a lot of great ba- uh, Blaze stuff in this album that Bruce doesn't do well. But this is not one of them. Bruce does this song for me perfectly. I think I prefer the Blaze version. Yeah, you might over prefer the, the version, but I don't yeah. find anything. More but Bruce's like. version is also it's awesome. A ten out of ten. Yeah. It's great. Uh, the drums in the song, it's kind of like a marching beat. It's really like cool. Yeah. It's, I love it. There's a uh, a really cool guitar riff after the verse. And I always talk about these like Yannick sounding riffs. This is a very like Yannick sounding riff and it's really cool. I hear that little doo 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 doo. Anytime I'm singing a uh, maiden riff and I sing it using like, I say like doodle doodle doo. Yeah, <laughs> that's like the Yannicky thing, right? I don't know. Yeah. Whatever those like hammer on and off things like, totally sounds like Yannick. I'm assuming he yeah. wrote that riff. That's right. No, <laughs> that's his natural twitch. Yeah, 
this is a hundred percent Steve Harris writing credit, but still, mm-hmm. that sounds like Yannick to me. I don't know if he added that or not. Yeah, it's an uh, yeah. oh, it's an awesome song. And then it comes out of that part, and there's this instrumental break in the middle. And you remember when they did this live? It was just like really cool. And this is where they mm-hmm. really go into like prog rock. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's anything like this before for Maiden on an album. But this part is like complete prog rock to me. It's like the timing, there's like an extra beat. If you try to like air drum along with it, mm. there's like an extra beat in there. Yeah, that's cool. It's not as yeah. complex as it, it. It sounds really interesting, but he's just transitioning like in the middle of the beat. There, it's, it's yeah. interesting. Yeah. yeah, the timing is very really, like yeah different. It's um, disjunct. One thing people always talk about: Adrian and Dave had this chemistry. Yeah, this is kind of. I think this is a good example of the Dave and Yannick, where how they have really good chemistry sometimes. Yeah, if you listen to the solo, the way they hand off the solo from one to each other, yeah, they, they back and back, they back to back so many in this album. Yeah, and well, that's kind of how Dave and Adrian used to like hand off a solo midway, mm-hmm. and they do it on this solo. I'm gonna play the solo from this song because I love it. I mean, you can complain about Adrian not being there, but there's still some really good guitar solos. I mean, you oh, got Dave Murray and Yannick, yeah. I still miss him. This song is very similar to Seventh Son of a Seventh Son, too. They both kind of break down into these like instrumental parts in the middle with lots of orchestrated keyboards, you know, and then into a killer solo. Now, this one comes back into the lyrics, and Seventh Son just goes off. But they're kind of both long epics that have... I like, can the, see that. Yeah, it's similar. See that. Yeah, I just never get sick of the song. I could listen to the song like a million times. I never get sick of it. I love it. And Bruce does a great version of this live. I still love the when Blaze does the song. I have a live version of Blaze doing this. I'll play a clip of Blaze doing it live.
wonder if you were to ask him what he's most proud of with Maiden, if it would be this song or Man on the Edge. Or... Yeah, well, Man on the Edge is a, he basically wrote yeah. the lyrics and yeah, to me, that melody, be... so. They Blaze knocks it out of the park live. This is one of the ones he can sing, these Blaze era songs he can just nail. Okay, so with all the uh, controversies about like Maiden and lyrics and stuff, Remember when we were in Manchester and we went to, we met up with Dave Hardy? Yes. At the Salisbury. We were talking about the lawsuit and all this stuff. And he told me, he's like, when you go back home after the tour is done, when you get home, and he said, look up the song Supper's Ready by Genesis. And I was like, okay. So I did that. So the lyrics to Sign of the Cross are 11 saintly shrouded men, silhouetted Silhouettes stand against the sky, one in front with a cross held high, come to wash my sins away. That's how the song opens, right? Listen to the lyrics of this Genesis song. Out in the garden, the moon seems very bright. Six saintly shrouded men move across the lawn slowly. The seventh walks in front with a cross held high in hand. And it's hey, babe. very similar. There is similarities. There's some similarities there. Is so, this new to the podcast? Or you, is this, this is, not some theory you got online? This is something that Dave Hardy told oh, me about. Well, we're not going to get when Maiden the, sued, are we? <laughs> I don't think Genesis is going to sue uh, Maiden. Genesis is uh, oh Peter God. Gabriel and Phil Collins. I don't yeah. think they're going to be suing no. Maiden over two lines of a song I that are similar Collins, i didn't know peter gabriel peter gabriel yeah i sound like an idea yeah. but I, I remember genesis and mike rutherford you know mike and the mechanics that band yeah, yeah. mike rutherford he was in genesis yeah. and phil collins was the drummer and then he turned into the singer yeah i just yeah. remember it being phil collins yeah and peter yeah. gabriel too cool so that's from a, a album called foxtrot it's a 23 minute long song and that's just a like two lines out of it Dave had that on the top of his head. Just yeah, he to, just pulled it out. And I wow. didn't know what he was talking about until I looked it up when we got back. And I was like, oh, when we do X Factor, I'm going to bring that up. That's deadly. Yeah. So I don't know if there's much but people talking about that online or if yeah. anyone else has ever brought that up. But he Have brought you heard it up from Dave us. lately? I haven't. We should, no, uh, we'll we should get him on the podcast. He's, yeah. He has lots of stories. <laughs> yeah. And there's some good there's some good guitar clips yeah. for some of his work is out there. That's true. Because he's I was not, looking to be, up, not to be underrated. That's true. I was looking up online and he had a page where he had... A bunch of like instrumentals that he did on guitar yeah and they're like he's like a really really good guitar player <laughs> he's top class. yeah he was kind of i think downplaying his guitar playing ability when we were at the pub and then i listened to it and i was like wow <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a good dude yeah but the lyrics are very similar six saintly shrouded men move across the lawn slowly seventh walks in front with a cross held high in hand so the saintly shrouded men is the same and the walking in front with a cross held high is yeah. similar so you'd say it's inspired by the genesis song <laughs> that's cool that's cool little, but it's a uh, yeah little nugget yeah love so, this tune yeah. not an album opener for me that's the only thing i would normally agree with you except that i think they did it on purpose i think yeah. it's the same as the well, cover obviously art, they made it the opener on purpose they yeah. weren't like oh, oh i know i know let's just randomly but i think they're making them. a statement and making yeah. they did it as a to prove a point to kind of be like yeah, prepare so, everyone because if they had to thrown out men on the edge people like oh it still sounds like maiden and then they get into this stuff and people would be like yeah. wait a minute you tricked us <laughs> yeah but well it's not like you're gonna buy the album turn it off at track two or three right i know i don't know i don't know we're past an hour now so we'll wrap it up for this episode wrap it up soon and uh and we'll this is gonna uh, be a two-parter for sure the beer in reflection best beer we've had yet 
Man. Panhead. I know. Vandal. I'm going to keep this bottle okay. uh, in my shed at home. I have a few. Uh, I'll put this next to my uh, my all different meat. Well, not only like that, look at that bottle. It's like really you can cool. recycle it here anyway. Yeah, but it's a really cool uh, a label too. Yeah. Anyway, thanks again for sending us a beer from New Zealand to right. Canada, to Eastern Canada. Deadly. Three-month trip across the sea. It was worth it. Nice. And next one we get to talk about the tour. We get uh, around next factor. Yeah. We get and we'll to get talk through the rest of these songs. Yeah, yeah. Cover art. Some I more thought we songs. would get through more songs, but uh, there's a lot of to talk about as far as like oh, when man. you get a new singer in a band. Eventually, we're going to do an episode all about Blaze too, and yeah. uh, we covered a bit of it. But yeah, we won't delve too much into Blaze yeah. in, in this. We'll we'll, we'll more, more focus on the work. Yeah, and we'll bring in. I think we'll get Fergal in. Yeah, um, our friend who's a diehard fan to give us a different perspective on it. Go through the cover art as well. There's a lot of interesting stuff there. Yeah, take your time to get through it correctly because we've been yep. getting pressed on this. I don't want to rush through it. That's true. Yeah, this is not a Bruce solo album. Yeah. You can crush it. Yeah, at first we were like, we'll just whip through this, and then I started yeah. reading it, and I was like, well, there's a lot I want to talk about before we actually get into the song. Yeah. That kind of put the album in context. I know. And I was like, this is definitely going to be a double. And I got a whole so, page full of notes here. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> right on. So we'll leave it there then. Okay. Um, if anyone wants to get in touch with us, talkingmaiden.com. And if anyone wants to send us beer, oh, us. <laughs> send us beer. I'll get my address now. Send us One, beer two, in the mail, and hopefully it gets yeah. through because I don't think you're technically allowed to send beer to us but god the worst thing that'll happen is they'll get they'll disappear nesbitt you're not there's another one of these floating around somewhere in the world and i don't know whatever happened to it but it never made it to us let's just hope it gets enjoyed you're technically not allowed to do anything nowadays don't get me going on (laughs) that all right talkingmaiden.com if you haven't rated us on uh, itunes or any platform please do yeah Uh, get in touch with us talkingmaiden.com email anything like that if you have tell your friends that are maiden fans yeah. 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 Let's keep spread let's, the word. Let's keep the story going. Yeah. All right. Until next time, up the irons and down the hops. Yeah.